You might think that when Clover and I announce a theme for a sermon series that we have a pretty clear idea what we mean by it and where we plan to go with it. But you would be wrong. More often is the case that a theme or a word almost finds us, and it just feels right even if we aren't yet sure why that is. This has been especially true for me um, with our fall theme that Clover kicked off last week, a time of wonder. Given the seriousness of our world, I wasn't totally sure why wonder felt so right. So I decided last Friday to go for a quick overnight camping trip. What better place to contemplate wonder, I thought, than in the beauty of our Colorado mountains. I headed up Guanella Pass, near the Abyss Trailhead in the Mount Evans Wilderness area. I set up my tent and went on a late afternoon hike. The Abyss Trail is anything but abysmal, especially this time of year when the aspen trees have lost all sense of modesty. Here's a picture I took just about a mile or so up the trail. And it was in a grove of aspen trees like these that I began to do my own wondering. Why do aspens always come in groves, I thought. One rarely hears of a glade of aspen or a forest, much less a copse or a stand. And that made me wonder why we have so many different names for groups of trees, which reminded me how we do the same thing for birds and how one can say flock when in doubt, but how much more fun it is to say a gaggle in the presence of geese or a venue in the company of vultures. Owls, on the rare occasion that they are seen together, are known as a parliament. Crows, a murder, of course. And my all-time favorite, a group of peacocks, is called an ostentation. I wondered if the reason we have so many names for birds and for trees is because we love them so much. The way Eskimos love snow and the ancient Greeks loved love and the way we give our beloveds in our life pet names, because when you love something, one name just isn't enough. Then I came back to birds and I wondered why not all birds of a feather flock together. You never hear of a gaggle of eagles or a flock of hawks. Maybe I thought it's a predator thing, but lions, I remembered, were predators and they hung out together and seemed to take great pride in it. Of course, maybe that makes sense when you're not just hunting a mouse or a lizard, but up against a whole herd of zebra. Was it called a herd of zebra, I wondered? Something to look up when I got home, which I did, by the way. And it's not, by the way. A group of zebras is actually called, get this, a dazzle. How great is that? Now, by now you're thinking that you're glad I had such a nice hike, but as sermons go, this, is one, this one is wandering all over the place. And that's my point. Because it occurred to me on that path into the abyss that to wonder is to wander. To wonder is to let our minds go for a walk with no particular destination in mind. Wonder doesn't like to be pinned down. It has commitment issues. It's the carefree younger brother of declare. Because when you declare something to be true, well, you're stuck there for a while or risk seeming unreliable. But if you say you're wondering, well, you might just wonder something completely different in a minute and no one seems to mind. Having put no stake in the ground, there is no stake to pull up. 
Wonder gives you the freedom to bounce from one idea to another before asking if they even follow logically or even are related at all. Wonder allows you to jump from a grove of aspen to a dazzle of zebra in no time at all. And you know who is really good at bouncing and jumping? Children. And it's no coincidence that they are also expert wonderers. Children have not yet lost the freedom and the faith to wonder, what if we tried this? What if this stick was more than it appears to be? What if the world were completely different? And when Jesus says that you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven unless you become more like a child, maybe that, maybe he meant it had something to do with wonder. I had been wandering along the trail for about three miles by this point, and I was thinking about turning around when a couple came by and told me that just up the trail a ways they had spotted a moose. Energized by this surprising news, I decided to press on a bit because now the world around me felt alive with the possibility of moose. Every turn was both exciting and a little nerve-wracking. A moose, if you don't know, may look slow and boring, but they can run more than 30 miles an hour, and they injure more people in Alaska each year than bears do. About a half a mile up the trail, I came to the bog just off to the right of the trail where the couple said the moose would be. Here's a picture of it. Do you see him there? No, me neither. And I stood there a long time, wondering where he might be, sitting down in the tall bushes perhaps, or having wandered into the far trees. And it occurred to me that whether he was there or wasn't there, my experience was different because it was possible that he was. And I wondered why it took meeting that couple to make that so. Wasn't it always possible that I would turn the corner and find a moose or a bear or a dazzle of zebra? Hey, I said possible, not probable. When my son was five or six years old, his mom took him to City Park, and as usual, there were gaggles of Canada geese milling about. My son noticed a particular goose who seemed to be in charge of all the rest and dubbed him the general. From then on, Whenever he would see a goose who seemed to be in charge, even if it was at a completely different park on a completely different day, he assumed it was the general. His mom knew this wasn't likely to be the case, but she never told him this. He'd have time enough, she figured, to learn what was probable. More important, that he not lose his sense of what's possible. To be clear, this is not a sermon about how we need to reclaim the fanciful world of children where anything and everything is possible. I am saying, though, that we can go so far the other way that we come to a place where almost nothing is possible. And the world is pretty dark these days, and it would be easy to become so weighed down by the fear and the anger around us and within us that we can no longer find the imagination and the creativity and the sense of possibility that we need most right now. And we have to push against that. Jesus wasn't saying that we need to become childish. He was saying, I think, that we have to find the courage and the faith that are often easier for children. 
He was saying, if we're going to move toward the world that he called the kingdom of heaven, we can't afford to lose our sense of wonder. We can't afford to shut down and withdraw and close ourselves off. We've got to be willing to wander and bounce and dream. We've got to believe that it's at least possible that every goose could be the general and around every corner there might be a moose. Amen.